Merry Christmas. I hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, my name is Todd. I'm the lead pastor. For those of you I don't know, and uh, for those of you who are visiting, we're so glad that you're here this morning. And uh, why don't we give the Bucks, Brian, Susan, Hudson, Mary Carter, and Gracie, a round of applause this morning for helping us with our Jesse tree. Thank you guys very much. Over the course of these past four weeks, we've had the Jesse tree to remind us of God's faithfulness. And I've loved this element. We've also included it in our island kids. So if you have uh, children uh, who attend our island kids, they've been studying uh, the Jesse tree also. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you here this morning um, on this Christmas Eve, Eve, I tried to explain that to my children who are five and eight this morning didn't go over very well. Like, they're just like, when is Christmas Day? We really don't care about Christmas Eve, Eve. We care about Christmas Day. So they didn't really like that, but um, it is Christmas Eve, Eve. And um, if you do come to our service tomorrow, it'll be the same service, uh, but we do have one at 6 o'clock. And of course, you're more than welcome to join us, but it's the same service tomorrow at 6 o'clock. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Micah. Uh, what you can do is you can turn to the New Testament, the first book of the New Testament. I won't trick you like I did a few weeks ago and ask you. Um, is Matthew, and you can turn a few books back to the book of Micah. It's right after Isaiah and a little bit before Matthew. And we're going to be um, beginning our time in the book of Micah, which is a very little-known book, but I think the, uh, just the very short passage that we have to take a look at today will give us kind of a context uh, for uh, our message um, today. There existed a time in the nation of Israel when leaders and kings... And, and those civic leaders who ran that country pretended, only pretended, to be good and benevolent and godly. And there were priests and preachers, yeah, there were even preachers back in that day and age, and religious leaders who were preaching messages that um, just tickled the ears of people and warmed the hearts of people and really had no depth and no meaning to it. And it wasn't what God wanted them to preach. It was just what they wanted to tell the people and it made everyone feel good. And because of that, as a result of that, the nation of Israel, the people who were God's chosen people, responded by spiritual ambivalence, by a casual approach to God's laws and God's rules for living. And as a result, they as a nation, and really we as humanity, have strayed very far from what God's original intent for our lives was. And so we find ourselves, even today in 2012, largely as humans, very far from God. And, and then we wonder, where is God in the midst of crisis, as we saw 10 days ago now? Where is God in the midst of this? We've pushed him away and pushed him away and pushed him away. And, and it's no wonder peace eludes humanity, because we've pushed the peacemaker further out, further out, further out, further out. Well, back in this day and age at this passage we're going to look at today, this man named Micah was preaching a message to the people. He was teaching a message to the people that was from God. It was the true message of God, and it wasn't really warm and fuzzy. It wasn't necessarily what they wanted to hear, but it was God's word to them. And the prophets of old, like Micah and Isaiah and Jeremiah and some of the uh, lesser known and greater known prophets would often do this. They would preach a message of warning to God's people. And largely to sum it up, this is what they said. God has asked you, he's told you to, to be his people and be close to him. And you've strayed from him. And to have peace, to have hope, to have life, you need to get back to God, return to him. 
and God is awaiting your return. Well, I think God is saying that to us today. You've strayed so far from me. I want you to have peace. I want you to have hope. I want you to have life. But you must turn back to me. You must, must get back to that, what the Bible says is our first love. And so Micah preaches this message. But it's interesting because towards the end of the book, then he says, here's what happens if you do that. And he pre preaches a message of hope. See, if you go back to God, there will be peace. If you go back to God, there will be hope. There will be life. It may not seem like it on this side of heaven. And it may not be all okay all the time, but there will be peace, there will be life, and there will be hope. And so what we're going to look at today is Micah 5. And he's foretelling, he's predicting Jesus' birth, but there's something very uh, interesting that's in this passage that we're going to take a look at. Because he's not just predicting Jesus' birth, he's also telling us that we ought to wait and anticipate with great excitement his second coming. You see, in this Advent series, we've been doing that. We've been reflecting on the past. We've been looking at the Christ child born in the manger, as Cynthia just talked about, um, and, and very, from very humble beginnings, God sent Jesus to save the world. And so we've been reflecting on that. But Advent is not just re a reflection of the past. It's also anticipating what God is going to do in the future. Because here's what God has done. He started the peace process by sending Jesus as a baby. And the reason that we don't have peace yet is because God is not finished. And there's coming a day when he's going to send Jesus back to this earth, and there's going to be true peace, there's going to be true life, and there's going to be true hope. Take a look at Micah chapter 5, verses 5 through 2, or uh, 2 through 5. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Verse 3 says, therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel Verse 4 says, And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And here's how Micah wraps that up, and this is what I want to focus on today. And he shall be their peace. Father God, in these days where um, death is certain, and despair is all around us, and conflict seems to be what reigns in today's day and age. May we have life, and may we have hope, and may we have peace because of our faith in you, the one who came as a humble baby but will one day reign as king. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help comfort those who are here who are restless. Father, encourage those who are discouraged and convict all of us of sin today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Micah's words, I think, are so appropriate for us today. And it's hard to maybe understand even what he's saying here, but he's talking about Jesus coming from humble beginnings. He's talking about the fact that Jesus came from even a little-known town. The town of Bethlehem was very little-known. It was something that people didn't, you didn't go to Bethlehem. There was no Disney World in Bethlehem, okay? There wasn't even a Sam's Club or a Walmart in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was this quiet, 
very humble place. And that's how God chose to save the world, is through humility, not through a king reigning. But it's interesting, if you look at verse 3 here in Micah chapter 5, he says, therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. He's predicting Jesus' birth, but he's also telling us something in 2012, and that is this. We've got to wait with great anticipation for the future because Jesus is going to come again. He goes on to say, then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. He says something else. He says that Jesus will be king one day. In verse 4, he says, And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell securely. But what I want us to focus on this morning is this little last phrase in verse 5. And he says this. He says, And he, Jesus, the one that's coming, he shall be their peace. This is the season of, of awaiting, isn't it? Um, some of you will go home today and you'll clean your house and you'll go buy a turkey if there are any left and you'll prepare for relatives to come. And the relatives will come to your house. You know, Hilton Head, man, it doesn't get much better than that in December, does it? I mean, they'll come. Some of you are here from Ohio today and you're like, hey, I'm loving this. There's no snow around this place. This is great. And so you'll have relatives in your house. You guys will have a great time at Christmas. For Christmas, you'll open presents. You'll share stories as a family. And then after some period of time, maybe a day or two days or a week or maybe a year, the relatives finally leave, right? And so they, they get out of your house, unless you have Cousin Eddie that pulls his RV up in front of your house. We all have Cousin Eddie, don't we? And, uh, but we, this is the season of, of waiting for people to come. We wait for relatives to come, and we do that with great anticipation. I remember growing up, one of my favorite memories is um, my grandparents, my mom's parents, uh, we, called, we called them Grandma and, and Pop. Um, my Grandma Boyd has um, since gone um, to be with, be with the Lord. My grandfather celebrated 91 years um, just about a week ago. And uh, isn't that cool? He's 91 years old. And uh, they used to come over to our house, and I couldn't wait as a kid. Oh, man, that was better than presents. Now, they brought presents, so maybe that was part of the reason that I liked them coming. But we would wait with great anticipation. I mean, we got excited. And as I reflected on this message and reflected on that time growing up, um, as I got into middle school and high school um, during those years, that waiting and excitement for my grandparents to arrive didn't wane. It didn't go away. Man, I was just as excited as a senior uh, in high school to see my grandparents, and I saw them fairly often, but it was just very exciting to have them come into town and to be with them. I remember one year, um, we were living in Atlanta, they were living in Tampa, and um, this was back in the days before you had cell phones. I know it's hard to believe, um, but it was back in the day before cell phones, and they, they didn't show up on time, and we got a call from them from a payphone. If you're under 18, you can ask your parents what a payphone is after the service is over. But we, they called from a payphone, and they said, hey, we're stuck in Tallahassee in an ice storm. <laughs> in Tallahassee, Florida, in an ice storm. And so there was greater anticipation about them coming into town that day. But we, we wait for people to come. Micah and many of the other prophets that we've studied have told us that we ought to be excited, that we ought to wait with great anticipation for God, please don't miss this, to complete the peace process. When he sent Jesus into the world as a baby, the peace process began. And one day in the future, when Jesus comes again, it will be complete. 
And so we, as Christ followers, we who call ourselves Christians, we get excited and we wait with great, great anticipation about the second coming of Jesus. And I want to talk to you this morning about what happens when we anticipate the coming of Jesus here on this Christmas Eve. Take a look at your notes this morning. First of all, we anticipate the coming of Jesus. When we anticipate the coming of Jesus, first of all, we can have life when death is certain. We can have life when death is certain. Um, some of you may have missed this, um, but today wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> Am I right? I mean, thousands of years ago, the Mayans predicted that today wouldn't happen. In fact, yesterday wasn't supposed to happen, right? I have a friend, and um, he said to me, he said, man, I kind of hope the Mayans are right about December 21st, because um, I'm really excited that on December 23rd, today, I may not have to celebrate my 50th birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Mike. Anyway, and so, you know, we weren't supposed to be here. We were supposed to, I don't know, be obliterated by some planet out in space or something like that. I don't even know. I don't even understand or pretend to understand. But um, it's interesting because there are stories of people who uh, really got excited and, and were awaiting the arrival of the end of the earth, right? There, are, or some, there was a Chinese inventor who built several pods to help him through the chaos of the past few days. I wonder how that turned out for him. But anyway, um, one contractor developed underground bunkers for his employer in Italy. One travel website reported this week that their search engines were showing a large amount of searches for apocalypse safe havens. So if you search that in Google this week, you need to come and talk to me about that. Um, we, we as people, we don't like to face death. We, we in fact, um, want to avoid death, don't we? We want to cheat death. We, wanna, we don't want to think about it. We don't want to dwell on it. We don't want to pretend that death happens. But you know what? That's one thing we all have in common, isn't it? We all one day are going to die. The old adage is true. There's two things for sure in life, right? Death and what? Taxes. Taxes. All right, we'll talk about that in January. Um, this is a great Christmas message. We're all going to die. Um, <laughs> but death, death is certain, and I think the reality of it is that um, we, we have to face that, that death is certain that God has a plan, and that plan partly involves his second coming, but it also involves the fact that one day, unless Christ comes before that point in time, we are going to die. And the reason that we're going to die is because sin entered the world. You can go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1 and take a look at what happened at the beginning of the narrative of God and man. God had prepared this perfect place here on earth, the Garden of Eden, and man messed it up because they did the, we did the one thing that God that God told us not to do. And because of that, we live with our sin. And because of that sin, we die. Paul spoke about this in Romans 6, 23. Look at what he says. He said, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God. I want you to say free with me. Free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, we have to stop we have to stop trying to ignore death. We have to stop trying to ignore the fact that one day it's just going to end. It, it's going to happen. And if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you have a lot to fear about eternity. 
But if you're here today and you know Jesus as your Savior, you can be confident in what Paul talked about. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, that gift that God gave by sending a baby in a manger from humble beginnings to die on a cross for our sins. If you accept that free gift of life, I want you to hear something. Eternal life is as certain as death is if you accept him as your Savior. Are you with me this morning? That is true. You can take that to the bank. It is absolute. It is true. Eternal life can be as certain as death is if you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you've been considering Jesus for some time, why not make Christmas Eve Eve 2012 the time that you said yes to Jesus? So we anticipate the coming of Jesus. When we anticipate the coming of Jesus, we can have life when death is certain. But secondly, in your notes... We can have hope when we face despair. We can have hope when we face despair. Man, we have a lot, we have a lot of things to be in despair about, don't we? I mean, here just in the United States in the last 10 days, we had a tragic event that we have a lot of reason to be in despair. Around the world at this particular point in time, there are 50 different military conflicts going around worldwide. In 2012, 100,000 people have died just because of war alone. Our world is in despair. If you take a look at a map of all the wars that are happening in different regions, over half of the world is covered in some kind of military conflict. Our world is in great despair. Here in the United States of America, we're facing a potential financial recoil during a period of time when we need it the least. And the smartest men and women, the leaders that we have put in place in our country can't cooperate. We can split the atom, but we can't find a few million dollars of savings in the midst of a few trillion dollars of income. It's just inconceivable. And our nation, our nation is in great despair. Seemingly, there's some good news. Divorce rates are down from the late 1990s when more than half of U.S. marriages ended in divorce. But that encouraging trend is muted when we consider that the rate of cohabitation has doubled, doubled in 15 years. Our marriages and our families are in great despair. Our world is in despair. Our nation is in despair. Our families are in despair. If we look around, you know what we've stopped doing this Christmas season? We've stopped turning on the TV for the news, haven't we, Cynthia? We don't watch the news. It's absolutely, it's frustrating and it's depressing. But you know what? I want you to hear the message of hope this morning. The message of hope is the fact that we cannot place our faith for the hope of the future in anything, in anyone, or any group of people other than Jesus Christ, the one who came as a baby and will one day reign as king. Romans 15, 12, and 13 says this. Paul says this. And again, Isaiah said, he's talking about the, the Jesse tree that we focused on here. He says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and what? Peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in what? Hope. You see, when we get close to Jesus, our hope increases. 
It may be despair all around us. It may be chaos all around us. It may be hopeless even in our own personal lives. Never mind the news. Never mind what's going on in our world and our country and our marriages. What's going on internally in us may be completely, completely depressing. But when we draw closer to Jesus, we can have hope even when it looks hopeless. That is the hope of the world. You know, during this past presidential campaign, there was one presidential candidate who kept saying something that bothered me during the campaign. He kept saying, our country, the United States of America, is the hope of the world. That bothered me. I mean, I'm a patriotic American, and I understand what he was trying to convey, and I don't think he meant to convey something else. But you know what? We're not the hope of the world. There's no group or people or leaders who's the hope of the world. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And we can anticipate that we can have hope in the midst of the despair that's all around us if we would place our trust and our faith in the person of Jesus Christ. And lastly, when we anticipate the coming of Jesus, we can have peace in the midst of conflict. When we anticipate the coming of Jesus, we can have peace in the midst of conflict. We've just talked about the conflicts, the military conflicts that are all around. But peace breaks out when we consider Jesus. He came as a peaceful, humble child in a peaceful uh, 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 town on a peaceful night. And he was heralded with a message of peace. Luke 2, 13 and 14 says, And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, what? Peace. Peace among those with whom he's pleased. You know, the prophet Zechariah tells us that when Jesus comes again, that all wars will cease. All those military, military conflicts that we've talked about, all of those military conflicts that are to come and that have happened in the past, it says that when Jesus comes again during his second coming, when the peace process is completed, that all of those war, wars will end. Zechariah 9.10 says this, I will cut off the chariot, that's a, a military war instrument from uh, Ephraim, and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he, Jesus, shall speak peace to the nations. His rule will be from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. Jesus will bring a peace that will one day end all conflict. That's why he's called the Prince of Peace. That's why Isaiah declared that the Messiah will be the Prince of Peace. But what about you and what about me? And we face Christmas season, and sometimes during Christmas season, it can be one of the most joyous times, but it can also be one of the most depressing times personally, can't it? I want to share with you the words that Jesus left his disciples. Listen to these words in John 14, 27, when he left them. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Catch this next phrase. I think it's the most important phrase in this particular verse. He says, not as the world gives, not as the world gives do I give to you. In other words, there's a contrast between the peace that Jesus offers and the peace the world offers. Please don't miss that. There's a difference. Because the world offers us peace, doesn't it? It offers us peace. Meditation. We can meditate and bring peace, right? Right? until we stop meditating, and then it's gone, isn't it? 
We can go out and we can buy medication and we can have peace in our lives until the money runs out. And then we have to go buy more peace, don't we? We can have peace in our lives when we buy cars and homes and clothes. And during Christmas season, we buy more of the stuff that the world offers to give us peace. And then peace ends on January 21st when the credit card bill comes due. Am I right? Peace ends when we accept what the world gives us. The peace that Jesus offers is free. It's lasting. It's eternal. It never ends. That's the kind of peace that Jesus gives. And if you're in here today and your world is in chaos and you are conflicted and there is anything but peace, there is anything but hope and there's anything but life, you can have peace one day when you die, eternal peace with God. But you know what you can also have? You can have peace while you're on this earth. It may not seem that way, and it may not be okay. Life may not be okay, but you can have peace because one day it will be okay. I have a, uh, I have a good friend. His name is Brian. In fact, Brian is um, not just a friend. He's my best friend. I've known him since eighth grade. He and I uh, ended up in the same class in eighth grade in, um, in uh, Atlanta, the Atlanta area in Georgia, and, and we became very quick friends. Um, Brian, I was there when Brian went out on his first date with his wife, Amy, and uh, they were high school sweethearts, and we went and we saw Batman with Michael Keaton, and we went to Chili's, and uh, it was like a, a big group of us, and we all had dates. I don't even remember who I was with, which is probably a good thing since Cynthia's in here. So anyway, my wife. And uh, so anyway, I was there when Brian met his wife when they were on their first date. Uh, I stood by him as one of his groomsmen. We are very good friends. Well, this past fall, early this fall, uh, late in the summer, early fall, um, Amy got word, Brian's wife got word that she has uh, stage four lymphoma. And uh, she's our age. And it hit them pretty hard. It's been a trying time for Brian and his family and their two kids. So far, there have been five rounds of chemo. It's been excruciating. And it's taken its toll, not only physically, but it's taken its toll as it would on anyone emotionally. Life for my friend Brian and his wife Amy and their kids, it's not okay. It's not. How can it be? It stinks. But he sends emails out, and he asks for prayer, and he gets pretty detailed and honest, and I've watched his family suffer, but I've watched their faith grow. His last email came to me on Wednesday, and uh, I've asked him if I can share a portion of this, and he's given me permission to do that. In this email, he had previously detailed what Amy was going through with his fifth of six chemo treatments, and then he said this, and I want you to hear these words. Listen very carefully to my friend Brian as he talks about peace and hope. While this email, he says, seems a bit depressing, we all cling to the God of hope. It is in him in which we put our hope. I have no idea how others face these sorts of life issues without faith. It makes me realize that my faith in Jesus is not to just get my ticket punched, my ticket to heaven, but also makes life on this side of heaven more fulfilling, and there is a hope that we can lean into that is so precious. He goes on to say, we are experiencing a deep peace that is hard to describe. While our moment-by-moment -moment emotions flutter almost uncontrollably, there is a rock of peace deep down that anchors and supports us 
in special ways. It borders, he says, on miraculous. He says we're also reminded that as we celebrate Advent, that this is why God came to visit us, to redeem his creation. Without his birth, we would have no hope, Brian says. But the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And he ends it by saying there is hope in that and hope that cannot be shaken. Amy's going to be fine, the doctors say. You can pray for my friends, Brian and Amy. But man, he gets it, doesn't he? In the midst of this crisis, this family crisis, he understands that his rock is God Almighty, and he's clinging, he and his family are clinging to that for their source of peace and hope. It's not okay. It's not okay. But you know what his hope is? You know what his promise is? With Jesus, it's going to be okay. That's the message for you this morning. It may not be okay in your life right now, but if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, and for those of you who have strayed far from him, if you get back to him, you can have life and peace and hope, even when it's not okay. I want you to listen in closing to the words of Jesus from John 16, 33. Jesus said this to his disciples, and I think he says it to us today in 2012. He says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world.